There's a Gemara in Masechet Shabbos that deals with a number of Gemaras actually, Adapin, that deal with uh, Kabbalah Satora. One of the most famous, Rashi sort of quotes it in uh, Parshish Yisro, by Yatsfu Betachtis Ahor Amarev Avdimi Barchama Barchasa Barchama Malamacha Kofal Akadosh Barchwa Leim is Ahor Kigigis. Says in the Pasik that the Jewish people stood, they stood underneath the mountain. The Tachtitar, you could translate that as right next to the mountain, underneath the mountain, right? But Chazal understand that they stood the, they stood underneath the mountain. How do you stand underneath the mountain? The mountain is, is on the ground. So it says, God took the mountain plucked it from its place and put it over the Jewish people like a barrel. The Omar Lehem, God said to them, Imatem Torah Mutav Imlav If you makabal the Torah, good. If you're not, there will be your your burial, so to speak. Because if you're not makabal the Torah, then there's no point of the world. So there's a number of questions. Toysvus asks one of the questions. Toysvus asks, the Jews said before, uh, I mean, it comes a little bit after in the in the text, but we understand that the Jews before, when they were asked about Kabbalah Satora, certainly according to Chazal, but even in the text it sounds like it. <clears throat> the Jews said, Nasev Anishma. It's a very famous statement. I always hear my... Uh, my students always say, every time I ask my rabbi on campus a good question, he said, Nasa Venishma. It was a very easy answer. You never have to give an answer. Just say Nasa Venishma. You know, you should do it, then you'll understand it better. The rabbi always hopes that that understanding will come in five or six years when they're off the campus already, so they don't have to answer the question. <clears throat> but Sotos asked this question. He said, Nasa Venishma. So, so what do you mean you need to hold a, hold a mountain over them? Right to get them to do Kabbalah Satori. You don't need. They said already that we will do and we will hear. <clears throat> That's one question. Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer asks another question. Uh, uh, Ritzel Petterberger, he was the chief rabbi of St. Petersburg in, in, uh, in Russia. So Tosus answers the following thing. Tosus says, Shema you chosrim, kushiyuru aisha gedolash, yotza nishmasam. The Gemara later on says that every time God spoke to Jewish people, they got so frightened that their, their souls jumped out. So because that happened, so God was afraid that they would, you know, retract. They would say like, you know, I think, you know, we said Nasa Venishma, but let's rethink this a little bit, right? So, that's why he held a mountain over them. So, the way my grandfather used to explain it, he used to explain Tosus like this, that um, what Tosus is really saying is conceptually, there's two ways, two types of service of God. There's, there's Avodah Me'ahava, there's serving God of love, and there's serving God of Yira, of awe, of fear, awe. And inevitably, we need to have both. Sometimes, you know, you've heard that, you know, you start out with Yira, right? You start out with 
or and then eventually coming to love, right? Uh, I think the in the Kiruv world it's the opposite. They first make you love God, you know, help you love God. They show you the good things that are going on, right? With with Judaism and with your relationship with God, and then they go into the Yira. But Rabbi Yaakov says you need both, really. You know, it's not just enough that you get to a certain level of Ava and then you don't have to worry anymore. He says there are times when the only way you can serve God is Yira. When is that? He says when there's things that you don't understand why God is doing what God is doing, either to yourself personally or to your family or to or to Klal Yisrael. You know, it's not so easy to love God, you know, if someone went through the Holocaust. It's hard for them to love God. If someone went through a lot of challenges in their life, they didn't have the parents they would have wished they had or, you know, they would have had, you know, the interactions they had with their friends and stuff. You know, God gives us many challenges in life. So uh, over there, loving God will be very difficult. I mean, maybe there's someone who could get to that level of loving God even when... Um, Terrible things, Lo Elenu, happened to that person. But most people at that point need to serve God not out of love, they need to serve God out of fear, out of awe of God. Right? They need to feel that, you know, God really knows what's going on over here, even though I don't know what's going on. That's the way uh, Rabbi Yaakov explains that there are two modes of worship, and you need both all the time. You need, you know, sometimes, Lahagid Baboker Chastecha, says in the Pasuk, right? to tell in the morning of God's chesed, the morning is where you can see the light, you're able to understand, right? You're not living in the dark. God's chesed we see in the in the morning. We see it when, you know, when things are clear, you know. But at the end of the passage it says you have to have a muna in the dark side, when it's dark, where you can't see clearly. That's where a muna really comes in. And both those modes, we go through our lives, you know, having to deal with both of them. There are very few people, if any, that don't have challenges in their life that they don't really understand, you know, why did God do this to me? Why, why is God putting me through this? You know, some people have it worse than others, but there's nobody that gets away with, uh, we call it, a, you know, a freebie, so to speak. You know, because the truth is that we grow from our nisyonis. That's part of the process of what we grow from if we are able to um, withstand and and go on with our Judaism even though there's many questions we have, right? That's a, that's a growth in our Judaism. If we would never really test it in our Judaism. So it's, it'll be nice, it'll be pleasant, it'll be a pleasure to be from, but we won't necessarily grow from to the next level that we would normally do from you know, um, from having tests, from having challenges. Rav Soloveitchik used to like, he, he, he liked using the terminology, he liked using the terminology that every person in their life will have to surrender to God. At a certain point, everybody has to surrender to God. That's the way he used to put this idea of, like, I don't really understand what's going on here. I just have to surrender to God. God knows better, right? I remember Rav Huttner used to be fond of saying, God is carrying on here a very deep 
uh, give and take. You know, pilpul usually is for Gemara, but it says, Got fear to Atifa pilpul. A give and take here that we don't really know what's going on. I remember, I think he said it when Israel was out to war and stuff. Uh, so he used to say that. He said, like, can't really understand exactly. So Vechik also, in one place, <coughs> Someone quotes from Soloveitchik here, and he says, um, God gave the nations of the world the seven Noahite laws, which are readily understood, but he did not give them chukim. The, only the Jews received chukim, statutes that you really don't know what the reason is, right? I mean, again, the Kirov rabbi tries to figure out the reasons, because, you know, if he wants you to eat kosher, he has to figure out why you should eat kosher, but in the Torah, it doesn't give a reason why you should eat kosher, Right? Or, and many other things, shotness, whatever it may be, we know that there's laws that we sort of can't really figure out. What, what does God want over here? Sir Soloveitchik says that the non-Jews were not given that. They have a, it's enough for the B'nai Noach to understand God and do what, you know, God command them, but they're not, they're not asked to do things that they don't understand. But not give them chukim. Our special relationship with God obligates us to go beyond our logic and trust God completely. Later, in retrospect, we may understand. Sometimes, years later, we'll understand why things happen. That's great if that can happen, if you keep your eyes and ears open. Many times that does happen, like what was God's plan here for me or for the Jewish people and so on and so forth. But sometimes we'll not, we will not understand you know, we'll never have that clarity to understand. He says, why, for example, does the state of Israel suffer so much? When he when he was quoted here, the state of Israel was suffering. And till today, you know, we have, the state of Israel has its challenges, many challenges. People are killed, you know. This question, too, is on the level of a chok. Right? When we ask that question, we're asking of God, like we're trying to understand why God is doing things. So it's not necessarily only in a mitzvah that God gave us a chok in a mitzvah, but that's the point. The point, according to our Soloveitchik, is why did God give us chukim? Why didn't he tell us the reasons for everything? There obviously, there's reasons for them. You know, God didn't just make them up, you know, and say like, you know, let me give them something that's really crazy and see if they listen to it. Probably reasons to it, right? But he dafka didn't give the reason, so we'll get used to understanding that we have to fill the Torah even if we don't know the reasons, right? Many times it, uh, you know, we don't understand exactly God's ways. The Menachem Mendel Mikotz, the Kotzke used to say, right? A God I can completely understand, I don't need. God always has to be much more profound than us, right? That's our assumption. The assumption of that, you know, I can understand God. Who are we anyway? I mean, even if we were geniuses, right? Can you understand God even if you're a genius? You know, God doesn't have a limit to time and space, right? We're limited as human beings, no matter how smart we are. So Rebnachem Edelman Kotzk said, a God that he can completely understand, they actually don't need. Because if I can understand God, so I could be God, right? But the fact that God is beyond, right, is more profound, much more profound than us, infinitely more profound. So that gives us a reason to serve God. Because... You know, that's the higher source that we know is running the world.
just to like give you maybe a little bit of a feel, what Rav Soloveitchik was saying over here about the fact that um, that every person will have to surrender to God inevitably in their lives at one point or another. Um, a woman once said to me, you know, my life is not going the way I would like it. And I made a deal with God. I'll be religious if if things go well, right? This is something that uh, I, more than the from from birth, I think the Balchuva has to get used to. You don't make deals with God. You know, you know, you want to be a, a, an observant Jew because you think it's true or you think it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, but to make a deal with God, I'll be I'll be observant, you know, because God needs me. He needs me to be observant, not so many observant Jews. So God really needs me, right? So you have the attitude that God needs me. So you know, make sure my life is really really pleasant, God, and we'll we'll play ball with you, right? And that person. But that particular person, life wasn't so pleasant for them. And there's many people like that. You know, I had many students and acquaintances that all of a sudden life didn't go well and they asked questions on God and, you know, what do you do at that point? Because, you know, you made the deal with God and he didn't keep his side of the bargain, right? <clears throat> I don't ever remember them telling me that God said yes when they made the deal, right? So Soloveitchik... Uh, I heard from a student of Rosolovechik that he was a rov in Boston. You know, he was he lived in Boston, which is quite interesting because he was the head of YU, the head of Talmudic department of YU. But he lived his whole life in Boston for literally probably over forty years. He traveled every week by plane, and he stayed in New York. You know, three or four days. Uh, I think it was four days. He stayed in New York, and then he went back to Boston. So it was a rov in Boston. He started out as a rov in Boston even before he was. The head of YU, his father was still alive, so his father was the head of the Talmudic department of YU. So, Rav never got involved with conversion. You know, the, the brisk are a little bit too nervous to rely upon someone becoming Jewish. And, you know, are they going to be real or not? They're a little bit too nervous about things like that. So he never got involved. Today, there's a real bait in Boston. It's also a little bit, the base that is a little on the tough side. Um... I had some students who dealt with that based in, and it's, uh, they were on the tough side. Uh, but Salvechik never got involved. A person came to him, I think it was in the 1950s. A person came to him and said, the person wasn't observant. But in the 1950s, people didn't um, accept their children marrying non-Jews. You know, in those days, today also there are parents that don't want to accept it, but they do accept it because, you know, I guess that's um, the American dream, meeting the person you love and getting married, right? So today, a lot of parents, I mean, I know from my students, because they always ask me, should I go to the wedding? My brother or sister mar- is marrying a non-Jew, and they, they ask me that question a lot more often than they asked it to me in the 1970s, right? So <clears throat> those days, the parents, even though they weren't observant, they're probably closer to observance than like two or three generations after that, and they just couldn't come to grips with their son getting engaged to a non-Jewish woman. So they went to Rav Soloveitchik because he was the Rav. He was considered actually the Rav of Boston at the time. And um, and they asked him what they should do. Um, so Rav Soloveitchik said, did you talk to them about maybe she wants to convert to Judaism? So... Um, they said they spoke to her, but the son is not so interested in it, and she's not so interested. 
they ask for Soloveitchik if he would talk to the girl and see if there is possibilities like that. And uh, Soloveitchik said, look, I normally don't get involved, but I'm willing to interview her. I don't get involved in Giyu, but I'm willing to interview her. And uh, Soloveitchik spent a lot of time uh, with her. And um, and he told the parents that, you know, there is there's a little bit of a petach here. There's an opening here for... She might want to. She might want to convert, you know. But she has to sit with a teacher. Somebody has to tell her things. Anyway, they got her a teacher in Boston, and every now and then she'd come to see Rav Soloveitchik, and he would talk to her about Judaism. And at one point, he said what he always says. He said, "You know, I just want to let you know when you become Jewish, you have to know there's a certain rule that at a certain point in your life you may have to surrender to God." So she said, what does that mean? He said, it means that you're not going to understand why God is doing what he's doing. And you just have to say, God knows best. Anyway, a year goes by and she really takes on Judaism. So much so that the Beitim, from what I understood, didn't want to convert her because they wanted the guy to take on Judaism too. (laughs) That always happens, right? The girl will come from... Right now, the guy is not religious. So how do you you can't convert her because he's not? You know, I've had that many times that you know that that the guy was not. He wanted to have a conversion, but he didn't want her to get very serious about the conversion. <laughs> right. So um, <clears throat> so he he says, look, if that's what I need to do to marry you, I'll do it. You know, I'll keep Shabbos, I'll keep kosher. Wasn't so far into him. Anyway. They get engaged. She gets, she gets a conversion, and they get engaged. And the and the and the father is so excited about this. The father and mother of the of the chatan of the boy um, that they you know the father says, look, I want to tell you the truth. I couldn't go back to my father's grave if you would marry an Jew. I couldn't go back to the grave. And that's why I, I, I felt you have to marry a Jew. I, I couldn't look at my father's grave if you didn't marry a Jew. That's something that was hopeful. It was like you, no one transgresses that in the family. So I want you to go with your kala, with your bride, to, to the grave of my grandparents and say, Gra- you know, Grandpa, I did exactly what you wanted me to do. So they go to the cemetery and uh, they visit, and he says it to the, to the rave, you know, comes back, and he says, um, you know, we went to the grave, and, you know, we said it, what you wanted us to say, but, you know, and I think, you know, that's what you wanted us to say, and he said, yeah, he was very happy, and he says, but I want to ask you something, on the grave, there were two hands, you know, there were two hands like this on the grave, so uh, his father says, oh, we're, we're Kohanim. The father says, we're Kohens. So uh, a Kohen can't marry a convert. So she, he didn't know, but she said, we can't get married. Right? So he sent them back to Rav Soloveitchik. So Rav Soloveitchik, it's, uh, the person who told me the story, he started to cry, Soloveitchik. He said, do you remember I told you, right? When when we were sitting and studying, I told you there's going to come a time in your life you might have to surrender to God. This is the time. 
and they didn't get married. She stayed observant, they didn't get married. So that is what Rav that's the way the, at least the student brought out Rav idea. You know, that the point over here is that, you know, when God held the, the mountain over us, he said that, you know, I know you said Nasa Vinishma. I know you said that. But those are the good times. But I have to let you know, right, that, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a story. There was a guy in Chappelle's here in 1990. So, uh, you know, always, you know, the key of rabbi convinces the guy to go to Chappelle's and he comes to Chappelle's. He became a very close student of Chappelle's and he's a close alum as well, you know. Um, and uh, he was speaking to someone. I don't remember who he was speaking to, but I was standing there and the person announced... You know, one of the rabbeim, I don't remember which rabbi, but he announced that there's going to be, uh, that, you know, we daven chakras here, you know, every day at this and this time. And he asks the, the guy afterwards, he says, does that include Sunday? So he says, he says, yeah, of course Sunday. He says, you mean we don't get off on Sunday? So he says, no. He says, don't you have to put tefillin on Sunday? So he says, I didn't know you have to put tefillin on Sunday. I thought it was like, you know. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I'm telling. That's what he says. Today he would laugh about it, the guy. But, but he says to him, he said it like half joking. He said, if my cure probably had told me that, I don't know if I would have become <laughs> Right? So the point over here is that, right, you know, we know the Jewish people said, Nasev Adishma, right? And that means, you know, we're in love with the one above. You know, we love God, right? We'll do whatever you say. We'll... You know, but there comes a time when he holds the mountain over them and he says, Shum not Po, right? Mishkabah said it should say here, not there. It says there is going to be when you have the challenge. Over there, when, when that's when you need the, the mountain over your head. That's when you really have to understand that I have to surrender to God. Because if I don't surrender to God then, right, it means I'm not really connected in a way that I'm viewing God as the Almighty and the All-Knowing. And I am just, I have to just, you know, be humble about it. I have to be humble and accept the Torah, both when I understand, Hagid Baboker, and even the Munas when I don't understand what's really going on, I also have to accept the Torah. That's because I understand that that's the oh, uh, that's the gigas on the person, right? Knowing that you know your Judaism doesn't end when you stop when you don't understand God anymore, right? Maybe it actually begins when you don't understand God anymore. Junk of guys.